0: Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Broncos Podcast Network. I am Phil Milani, joined, as always, by Eric Dalala, And we've got a very special guest joining us here on Broncos Country Throwback. Today, it's ring of famer Jason Elam joining Jim Sakamano. Yeah, Phil, hard to uh, think of people more synonymous with the Broncos than Jason Elam. He's
1: right up in that class, of course, with John Elway and Rod Smith and Shannon Sharp. Just a really incredible player. In Denver for so many years and excited to hear what he has to talk about with Jim Sakamano. So with that, let's get to Jim's conversation.
2: We are honored today on Broncos Country Throwback to be doing our interview with Ring of Famer Jason Elip. Jason, it's interesting in that quite often when we talk to a guy, The highlights of his football career are his highlights, and you certainly don't lack in any of that. However, this is as close as we're going to come to talking to a Renaissance man right now. I'm not sure if I'm talking to an author, a biblical translator, uh, a pilot, or a football player, or a fabulous family man. Which is it, Jason?
1: Well, you're too kind, Jim. I appreciate that. Um, You know, I, I... I don't know how to answer that really. I just have, um, uh, you know, I love, I, I, I have leading a blessed life. I don't know what else to say it. I mean, I, I love, uh, you know, being a, 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 dad and a husband. We have six awesome kids, uh, from 23 years old down to six years old. And so they keep you hopping and there's never a dull moment. And, um, you know, obviously loved my time with the Denver Broncos and, uh, and never anticipated, you know, that happening as long as it did. And um you know, Jim, I mean the other thing is I was a kicker and so I had a lot of free time. <laughs> and so my mind got to going and uh, you know, I had a lot of interest and a lot of things that I was kinda curious about and so, you know, I uh I kind of pursued those over the years and um now I'm fifty and, you know, kinda look back and it's like, well, I've I've been able to do a few things which has been awesome. But uh, you know, Really, really just, again, loved my time uh, there in Denver and you know the greatest fans ever and uh, an awesome organization, getting to work with people like yourself and uh, and all the teammates I had. It was, uh, it was an amazing, amazing time in my life.
2: Yeah, I thought all of that was tremendous as well, Jason. You know, uh, Moss Hart, are you familiar with Moss Hart, the playwright? I am not. Well, that's okay. Uh, But it is a book, Act One. uh, Well, you're probably familiar with Kitty Carlisle, uh, the Mm -hmm. game show host from the 50s. And if you were to Google the Kitty Carlisle Moss Hart apartment, it would come up with this spectacular uh, spiral staircase thing on Park Avenue. Anyway, Moss Hart, who came from nothing, talked about living the rich, full life. He said, fill Mm -hmm. every minute. Do something, Mm -hmm. live something, do something all the time, and my point being, that's what you've done, Jason. That's what you did with your free time. And let me throw out a couple things. And you tell me what what comes to mind. Torah, Torah, Torah. Well, um, World War (laughs) Two. Well, how about how about a play that we ran and beat the Buffalo Bills when uh, you kicked the field goal at the intense moments? Yeah. In moments. Moments. That,
1: that was the most dramatic um, game I was ever a part in. And, um, you know, going from thinking there's no way we're going to, you know, be able to pull this off to we might be able to do something here to, oh, my gosh, we just did it. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. it was it was pretty amazing. It was a season opener and uh, a, a great way to kind of get off to a, a, a really, you know,
2: a good start that gave us some momentum. And when coaches say they've got things timed down to the second, in that case, Mike Shanahan truly had it to the second. There was no time left. Uh if you'd he- if you'd hesitated, it wouldn't have been any good, I think. Well, and you know what's funny about that is we
1: we practiced that during training camp. Um I mean, I don't know if it was every single day, but it felt like it. And I remember it was the point where You know the uh the o-linemen they were kind of irritated because we had to sprint on and off the field and i mean there's a lot of pressure in practices too you know you're constantly being Mm -hmm. evaluated and you know you're you're trying to make it as game-like as possible i remember coach shanahan uh he told me one time he said i I don't ever want to put one of my players um in a game situation that i have not put him through multiple times in practice and so it just, I mean, that was year, gosh, what was that year? That was year 15 for me, and we'd never run anything in 15 years like that. And I'm thinking, there was no way we're going to run anything like that. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, the very first opening game, day, yeah. Opening day, we had to run it. And uh, you're right. I mean, if it had been one more second, if there had been any kind of delay, we would not have been able to get that off. So it took everybody doing their thing. Um, you know, and and a sense of urgency that we'd (laughs) never had before. I think in practice we'd done it, uh, I think in 18 or 19 seconds was as fast as we'd ever done it. And we did it in 11 seconds that day. And so um,
2: it it, it was pretty cool. Yeah. It was. Now, um, uh, sometimes things, they they only can happen with a circumstance uh, in their favor. Like, for example, a lot of kickers have strong legs. They don't all kick in, mile, in uh, the altitude that we have here, and they don't have the situation for a long kick. But you set at that time the NFL record uh, with a 63 yarder. Well, you know,
1: again, I think um, I think there's a lot of guys even during that time that had the ability to do it. Is uh, like you said, is getting the right uh, opportunity um and being able to execute it you know when you when you get that opportunity and so i was i was really surprised that 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 it wasn't broken um you know almost immediately i I did it in 1998 and uh you know matt did it was it 2012 or 2013 uh one yard further Mm -hmm. so you know um there's to this day i mean there's guys out there that are so good and so strong, um, you know, are capable of hitting the, you know, the 70-yard field goal, but you're just not going to get a, an opportunity like that very often. And so, um, you know, I'm, it was a fun – it was fun. I mean, I, you never go into a game thinking you're going to get a, a chance like that, and there's not a lot of pressure either. So, you know, no one's going to get upset with you if you miss a 63-yard field goal. That's
2: true. And yeah, so, that was, that was yeah,
1: so, cool. so you can just – yeah, so you can just kind of let it go and see what happens.
2: Now um, – back to back that's another thing not that another thing is needed in your case but i'm not sure if any kicker of your prominence has ever gone back to back well i i i i suppose venitiery uh might have done it one time with the patriots before they let him go you, you know but um mm-hmm. very few guys have gone back to back to win the super bowl like that
1: well i mean that
2: that's a um That's a tribute to
1: the my teammates, uh, to the coaching staff, to the Broncos organization. I mean, we, um, you know, I I think when I look back on that, I I remember kind of back to 1996, and we had an we had a fantastic team, maybe the best team we ever had, and we got knocked off uh, in the uh, uh, you know the the, I think it was a divisional round against Jacksonville. Jacksonville game, yes, yeah. And I remember that entire off season. We all had a chip on our shoulder. We were focused, completely focused. And, and in '97, um, when we won the Super Bowl, we went in as the wild card. Now we, you know, we had, we had a bunch of close games. I remember we had to go into Kansas City and they beat us uh, at the end of uh, that game. And that kind of yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And and that kind of determined that we're going to be the wild card. And we just said, that's fine, that's fine. We're going to go back and we're gonna, <laughs> we'll beat everybody. And we had to go back to Kansas City. We beat them. Went to Pittsburgh, beat them, and then we were huge underdogs, uh, you know, against Green Bay, and and ended up coming out of that. And so, but I think a lot of that goes back to had 1996 uh, not happened. I don't know if we'd have had that that mm-hmm. type of focus. And so, yeah. um, you know, that propelled us. You know, I think in in and then 98, we were just we were a, an incredible team. I mean, we were beating people twenty eight to nothing. at, You know, start of the second quarter. So uh, that, that, was, that was the fun days
2: right there. Well, we had three in a three-year period, including 96, we won 46 games and two world championships in three years. I think mm-hmm. since tied by the Patriots, but uh, it may be a while before somebody does better than 46 and two in a three-year period. Yeah. Um, yeah. That
1: was a lot of fun back, back during those days. And a lot of great teammates. And I look at the, you know, the John Elways and the Steve Atwaters and Shannon Sharp mm-hmm. and Terrell Davis. It just goes on and on. Gary Zimmerman and, you know, a lot of Hall of Fame guys that I got to play with and, and call my teammates and very, very proud of, to uh, to call them my teammates.
2: Yeah. And um, continuing along, your coach, of course, is Mike Shanahan. He was just named to the, uh, Denver Broncos Ring of Fame, which you're a member of. What are some mm-hmm. comments you'd have about Mike?
1: Uh, well, tremendous, tremendous coach. Well deserving of that of uh, that, that honor. Um, you know, the offensive mind that he had. He was just such a. Um, it was like a chess match to him every game. You know, and, and it was interesting the matchups that he would be trying to get. I don't know how many times he'd look down down at me and say, Jace, get ready for the extra point." You know, this is a touchdown. <laughs> you know, so and sure enough, you know, uh, the next play would be a you know forty-five yard touchdown to Ed McCaffrey or Rod Smith or Shannon Sharp, and so um, you could tell he was just having a lot of fun, and he was very very good at what he did, and so you know, I'm I'm a little partial to Coach Shanahan. He kept me around, uh, you know, for thirteen of my seventeen year career uh, there in Denver, and um, I'm a I'm a Mike Shanahan fan.
2: Yeah, he is is so great. Uh, you know, when we won the second Super Bowl back-to-back and we beat Atlanta, after it, all was said and done in the locker room, and, I mean, after everybody's gone, the buses are gone, there were two guys left in our locker room, and they were in his, in his locker, him and me. And, and he was hasn't showered yet. He said, Jim, how did it look from upstairs? Did it look dominating enough? <laughs> and that was quite a comment, I thought. You've just won back-to-back Super Bowls. Who cares if you won by a half a point? But he said, how did it look from upstairs? Did it look dominating enough? Uh, but that was Mike, and boy, he, he was he was tremendous. Continuing on the, the, the magic elixir of uh, Jason Elam, it, if you couldn't write this for a, a Hollywood uh, script, you, you fell in love with a cheerleader. <laughs> I mean, Tammy was a cheerleader, right?
1: She was. Yeah, she cheered. Uh, uh, her, her last game was actually the Green Bay Super Bowl. And we have some awesome pictures of her. Uh, her last game and myself are both in uniform as the fireworks are going on. Oh, how cool. Know, we're, we're world champions. And so, uh, yeah, you know, I we were around each other quite a bit um, early in my career. My rookie year was her rookie year and at different functions. We kept crossing paths and um, she definitely caught my eye. and um, Sure. I loved uh, everything about her. And and it was a rule. It was a rule that we weren't supposed to fraternize with the cheerleaders and they weren't supposed to be talking really, you know, with us. And, uh, she was, we'd kind of talked that through and she was going to step down. Um, and we got called up to Mr. Boland's office one day. And so we went up there and it was kind of like going to the, going to the Godfather. (laughs) Uh I thought, Oh my goodness, I'm, well, I'm in trouble. And, um, and so we get up there and we sat down in his office, both of us. And uh, he said, uh, Jason, Tammy, you know, we we have rules in place. And um, he kind of let that hang there for a second. he said, but I've, I've really kind of looked into this. And um, he said, the rules that we have in place are for really entirely different reasons. I, I, I really like what I'm seeing and how you guys are involving yourself oh, in the community cool. and what you're doing. And he kind of gave us his blessing. And so she didn't have to step yeah. down and. And uh, she got to cheer another, uh, you know, several years after that. So, um, yeah, we, you know, Mr. Bolin, he was a fantastic owner, and uh, yes, he was. I just couldn't imagine playing for anybody else, and you know, the combination of Mr. Bolin and, and Coach Shanahan was uh, a pretty incredible combination there for yeah. a while.
2: Well, one's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and in my opinion, the other will be in a matter of a few years. Uh, you know, you got you and Tammy came up at a staff meeting one day. I think I'd mentioned that somebody mentioned, you know, you guys were serious or whatever and Teresa uh, Petranovich, the uh, the head of the cheerleader said, well, people are allowed to fall in love, aren't they? And everybody (laughs) kind of looked at each other and said, yeah, and next topic and we just moved on from that. So now tell me about your kids. I, I know you've got a great family. Your oldest, I'll bet you, has just graduated or is maybe a senior in college. He did. He graduated
1: last year. Um, he is in the Air Force. He's just finishing up pilot training uh out in Oklahoma and uh actually Did next he go week to the Air Force will... Academy, Jason? No, he went the Air Force R O T C route and uh um, Oh God. Uh-huh. He's yeah, he's doing awesome. And uh he'll find out next week uh which aircraft he'll be flying for the next four years wow. and, and which air force base. So it's uh a little bit of a stressful time, but I'm very proud of him. He's, he's done oh, great. Gotcha. And uh, then I've got a, uh, my other two daughters are in college, and then I've got uh, a 15-year-old son that's in 10th grade, uh, a 5th grader, uh, his 10 years old uh, son, and then I've got my 6-year-old, my and he is in kindergarten. So um, they keep us young. They keep us hopping.
2: Yeah, now if I'm not mistaken, the 15-year-old needs to ride to soccer practice later today he does he is
1: quite the soccer player so um, we've been traveling all over the really all over the country uh, last couple of years with him and so he's got a chance to do something pretty special I think if he continues developing like he is and so uh, we're just trying to invest in him and
2: encourage him and, and coach him up let's talk for a moment about Jason Elam the pilot how did that come to be and how far did that develop well, I I grew up um, being around
1: airplanes quite a bit. My uh, my family lived I was born down in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, near Eglin Air Force Base, and a lot of my parents' friends were uh, Air Force pilots or in the Air Force, and and so it was something that I'd always really wanted to pursue. And um, when I graduated college in Hawaii. I graduated in December of 92. Well, the draft wasn't until, you know, April of 93. And so I was just sitting by the phone waiting on, you know, teams to call and interviews and, and tryouts. And, and, um, I decided, well, I'm going to go out to the local airport. I had a friend of mine that was a, a flight instructor and he'd offered to give me a, a few lessons. And so I took a few lessons and just loved it and, um, just kind of kept, kept at it. And before you know it, I had my license. And then I went back and got my instrument rating and then my commercial rating and I'm, my multi-engine rating, my flight instructor rating. I mean, all of that <laughs> just kept going with it in the off seasons and the Broncos didn't really have a problem with me doing it because I'd already, they kind of grandfathered me in because I already had my license when I was drafted by them. And so, um, yeah, it was something we i have just always done. And then when I retired, we moved to Alaska for about uh, a little over five years full time. And so, you know, in Alaska. That's kind of how yes, everybody gets around. That's your yeah. that's your truck. <laughs> yeah, there are so. only
2: like fifteen percent of the towns that are accessible by road. That's
1: right. That's right. So yeah. every ten days, I'd have to fly into Anchorage to Costco and get supplies and throw them on the in the airplane and fly back out to our uh, to yeah. our place. And so um, just. You know, really enjoyed doing that, and I got involved with a lot, of, a lot of ministry activity up in Alaska, too, out into the native bush villages. And so I was able to use the piloting there and, um, you know, just really I, – I love flying. It, it gives you a different perspective, and um, the beauty, especially in Alaska, was is yeah. pretty amazing that you get
2: to see. Yeah, we we took a cruise two years ago. Actually, what, we can't wait to go back. We may go back again next year, you know. It's great. Uh, Jason, um, now you mentioned the ministry. and You mentioned it briefly, but I know that that's not an afterthought in your life. That is a very big deal.
1: Yeah, it is. And it, it has been for a long time. And um, what I've been doing now is I've been trying to help uh, really the top 10 Bible translation agencies around the world. Um, so like Seed Company, Wycliffe Bible Translators, the American the American Bible Society, Biblica, which is right down in Colorado Springs, um, get Scripture to all of the remaining languages that have nothing. And so there's over 7,000 languages uh, spoken in the world, um, and there's still over 2,000 that have nothing. And so that's something that's very important to me, to my wife, to our, our family. And uh, so we're trying to pursue that with uh with urgency to, to get scripture out to the remaining Bibleist people of the world.
2: That is so cool, Jason. Now, meanwhile, along the way, when you had a little free time, you wrote some novels. I did.
1: Yeah. So we were actually, um, we were flying when I was playing with the Broncos, we were flying to play the Colts. And, uh, I was sitting there and, and it, a lot of people want me to share stories when I, you know, in the off seasons and, you know, they want to hear the inside scoop of what it's like to be in an NFL locker room or what's going on in the sidelines or just, you know, an inside scoop. And so uh, my brother for years had told me, Jason, why don't you just write a book? And I was like, gosh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm around football so much. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to write a book about it. I mean, I want to get away from it a little bit. And But when we were going to play the Colts that day, I, I had kind of a, a thought just a like a little synopsis of yeah, if I could combine football stories and current events with elements of, of my Christian faith, um, yeah, that, that could be kind of fun. And so I, on that flight, I just wrote it all up and I sent it off to a friend of mine before you know it, it was at, uh, several publishers, uh, desks and I was getting calls about it and, and offers on it. And so I ended up writing a book, um, and the publisher, they said, well, we don't want to just do a one book deal. We want it to be a, a two book deal. And so I kind of rethought everything and was like, well, I could, you know, we could probably do that. And and so we did a two book deal and those did pretty well. And so they wanted to sign me to another two book deal. So I ended up writing four, four uh, novels and, um, you know, just that was a whole nother world, a whole nother process. Um, and it was it, it's pretty demanding. With all of the, you know, the, yeah. the advertising for it and all the editing process and all that goes into it. But it was it was a blast. I mean, I had a, a great time doing it and, uh, um, you know, met a lot of really interesting people through that process.
2: Yeah, I've written a few. And one of the things that if people say, why don't you write another? I think, well, because once I make an agreement with my publisher in six months, I owe him a book. So at That's that point, right. there's no, there is no getting up and saying, I don't think I'll write today, I don't yes. feel like it, I don't, oh, no, and I, you know, quite frankly, I'm enjoying. while well, I do plenty of the stuff for the Broncos in retirement. I do not feel like getting up and saying, man, I got to knock out a thousand words today or two thousand words. Oh, you're
1: but, exactly, um, yeah, you're exactly right because I was under mm-hmm. contract for 90000 90, word book. tag. You're it, and so. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And so the way I would do it is I said, okay, I've got to, if I write 500 words a day for the next Mm -hmm. 180 days, which is six months, then that I'm there. And a lot of, and 500 words isn't bad, you know, and a lot of times you'd find yourself writing, you know, 2000 words in a day and you're like, okay, well I can take the next day off or something, you know, but it is, you got to stay stay very self-disciplined in the process.
2: So I promised we'd get you off to soccer practice. But with all of this, with all that you've done, Jason, and with the good fortune that you've had, and you know, um, Fisher DeBerry, the Air Force Academy retired football coach, has always said, when you're walking down a country lane and you see a turtle on a fence post, you have to remind yourself that that turtle did not get there all by himself. And I know you're very humble and you give credit to all. What is that of which you are proudest of all the things you've just talked about? Oh, my
1: gosh. Well, my family. I mean, I think my kids um yeah. be number one. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm so proud of them. And it, we're still right in the middle of it. And it's fun to mm-hmm. be, you know, like this. Like I'm just about to head out with my son to soccer practice mm-hmm. try to encourage him and, and uh, you know, keep him on, on point and focused and, and academically and athletically. And, and then not only him, but all of my kids. And so, um, yeah, football was something that I love to do. Um, But it was just something I did. It's not who I am. And so uh, very, very, very thankful for it. Blessed by it. Um, Wouldn't change a thing. And I loved, uh, again, I mean, had I ended up in another crazy town, it wouldn't have been the same. I'm I'm so thankful that it was in Denver. And so uh, thankful to all the fans and to the organization and people like yourself and all my
2: teammates. Well, we're thankful for you too, Jason. And, uh, I really appreciate your being our guest on Broncos country throwback. That was Jim Sakamoto's conversation with ring of famer, Jason Elam. So, uh,
1: you know, he's just one of those really impressive players, but perhaps an even more impressive
0: guy. Most definitely, uh, doing a lot of great things, uh, following football and, uh, you know, so many memorable kicks from Jason Elam over the years, obviously the 63 yarder, but also I think back to that kick he made in Buffalo after the team got stuck in Denver due to the snowstorm. Um, so Jason Elam, very deserving of his ring of fame honor. And glad we got to catch up with him a little bit here on Broncos country throwback. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you uh, subscribe and rate. You can uh, find this podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. And also now you can find this podcast and all the podcasts on the Broncos Podcast Network on iHeartRadio. We'll be back next week with another member of the Broncos alumni. Until then, for Jim Sakamano and Eric Dalala I'm Phil Milani.